Okay, my, the title of my message is called First Love. And before, while I was typing up this message, the Lord was really showing me that this, this had to be preached to me before I could preach it to you. And this is one of the most convicting messages I've ever typed up, written down, whatever you wanna call it. And I had to make sure that I had my heart right. It wasn't that I was some wayward son or prodigal, but it did show me that there were some things that I wasn't doing correctly or that I lost sight of. So I'm really excited just to see how this can touch you, amen? We're gonna go ahead and read in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's on your handout. And it says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, and I love this, it's so, so precious. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. There's only one thing. Look at your neighbor say, only one thing. Only one thing being concerned about. Mary discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. We're going to, as our pastor likes to say, we're going to double dip, go down to Revelation chapter 2. Jesus, just for a little background, Jesus is um, speaking to seven of the churches in Revelation, and this one he's talking to is uh, Ephesus. So he's speaking to the Ephesians, okay? He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Can we pray one more time real quick? Father, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for this message that you put on my heart. Holy Spirit, you always speak to me and you always speak through me. So allow none of my words to come out of my mouth, but only your words to come out of my mouth. I thank you, King Jesus. You are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. You are the Lion of Judah and the Lamb that was slain all in one at the same time. We thank you for what it is, the price that you paid. We thank you for the cost that you took, God. And we thank you so much, Father, that you love us and you just see us as your sons and daughters and you're excited to spend time with us tonight. So in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, do you remember the first time it was like to fall in love? I know you're probably thinking, why is a 21-year-old talking to me about falling in love? Just bear with me. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? Thank you, Jason. I love it. We can talk to each other the whole time if we need to, man. The first time you fell in love. Man, it was disgusting, but to you it was great. You didn't wanna be away from the person, you were inseparable. You shared everything you drank, shared everything you ate, crazy already, you held hands all the time, and if you know me close to, uh, good enough, I don't like to hold someone's hand anyway, so it grosses me out just to think about it. Next thing you know, all you do is talk to each other, you send a bunch of emojis, it's great, you love it. Yeah, some of y'all didn't have emojis. I love it. That's great. I didn't even recognize that. Forgive me. I'm trying not to laugh. That's great. Awesome. It's great. Six months go by. 
And the relationship's not that much, you're, you're not that excited, you know? Your first six months, you didn't want to leave any room for the Holy Ghost. Now in six months, you'll give the Holy Ghost as much room as he wants between you two. You don't want to share anything with him. You want your own steak. You don't want to share your steak. You're, you're standing in line at a grocery store. You're buying your groceries. And you say, hey, babe, I'm going to buy a Coke. Do you want a Coke? I'll buy it. No, no, I'm good, I'm good, I promise, I don't need anything. Okay, cool, you get your Coke, get your groceries, you walk out, you're in the parking lot, like you were excited for this Coke to burn in the back of your throat, to feel that cool, cool rush of Coke. You're so pumped, you hear it crack open, you're about to take a, a drink and, hey babe, can I have a drink? I just told you that I would buy you your own Coke. So what happened? What happened to the, I'll share anything with you, I'll get two straws with you, I'll let you have more than half of it. It disappeared completely, right? Am I the only one? I guess so, man. So I want to ask you, what was it like the first time you met Jesus? What was it like the first time you fell in love with Jesus? I can tell you exactly what it was like for me. I didn't want to put down the Bible. I didn't want to quit talking to him. I didn't want to go anywhere if his presence wasn't with me. I didn't want to stop asking questions. It became so real that the first time I would read and something jumped off the page and it meant more than just the words on a, on a piece of paper, it was beautiful. But six months went by, what happened? I want to ask you, I want to ask you, has the same thing as it happens in a physical relationship, has that happened with you and Jesus? Has it, has it not gotten as interesting to get in his words and look at the Greek and the Hebrew, and maybe I'm just a Bible geek and I love that, or have you lost the, 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 the desire to write about what he tells you? Have you? Has it become meaningless of what he says that he thinks you are? Tonight, I wanna really jumpstart your heart and make you think about what it's like to have Jesus as your first love again, because he's always supposed to be our first love. Amen? We're gonna start with our first point. It says, start with love. <clears throat> Jesus calls us his bride. He says that in Hosea, and he says it in Song of Solomon. Um, it's one of the most romantic books. It used to weird me out that I read it from the perspective of Jesus, and it's just beautiful. And Jesus has always wanted intimacy with his bride. I don't know if you're aware, but he actually calls us his bride, and he's our bridegroom. And the cool part about this is Jesus, is, the rapture's not a rescue mission. It's a pickup for a wedding date. And he's looking for a healthy bride to come back to, amen? amen. And, and, and that means that we have to have him as our first love. That means that we have to desire him. We have to crave him. We have to want him. Jesus calls us his bride because he wants us to be as intimate as if you were with your spouse, which a lot of you are right now. You know, like I'm looking at a lot of you guys being really manly and I'm over here I could do this, but I mean, you got your arm around a girl. Could you see yourself like that with Jesus, man? It should be the same way. It should be the exact same way. I know it sounds a little weird to some of you, but whenever you really put that in your heart, I promise you, nothing's the same. Falling in love with Jesus and sitting at his feet should be the foundation of everything we are and everything we do. It doesn't matter what we do or how we do it. What does matter is who we're doing it for. Jesus should be everything. When you wake up, you should, you should think about Jesus. When you go to bed, you should think about Jesus. When you serve, you should think about Jesus. We'll get there a little bit later. I'm very excited, man, because, because I had to realize that Jesus wasn't my first love all the time. See, whenever you get married, maybe I'm wrong because I haven't been married, but just from the perception of other marriages, 
You don't marry somebody, have a house, and then have another lady in your house. That makes no sense. You can't have a spouse and own a house together, but you only serve the other girl that you got, you got your side chick, as my generation likes to say. You got your side chick in the house. That doesn't make sense. That's immoral. That's wrong. Nobody would stand for that, right? So, so you can't have two saviors. You can't have Jesus, and he'll even, he'll even say you can't love God and you can't love money. You can't have Jesus and live for the world. You can't show up on Sunday and say, well, God, I love you so much, and then live like hell the rest of the six days. Come on, man. Amen? This is fun. I'm loving it. God, I love seeing you guys. Jesus' love for you is not like a past relationship that's here today and absent tomorrow. You know, this, I mean, whenever I thought I was in love, I was dramatic. I'm okay. I'm not heartbroken. 21. But the first time I was, man, it was nothing. And the moment it's done, you don't feel anything. You're over it because it's not sustainable, because it's not unconditional. It's not everlasting. But see, the cool part about all of this is, is Jesus has always been worthy of our love. He's always been worthy of our praise. If a man died for me on a cross with every wrong thing that I've ever done and every wrong thing that I could ever do, and I'm already forgiven of those things, I think he's worthy to be loved before anything else. Amen? Are you with me here? So we've got to see Jesus on the perspective of love because he is love. That's him. It, it, love de Jesus doesn't find love. Jesus created love. He designed love. Jesus is worthy of our love. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that looks after us. He's the one that protects us. Thank you. We didn't choose Jesus. He chose us and appointed us to do all he did. And so much greater. You can't ever stop learning about your first love. Just because we accepted Jesus doesn't mean that that moment that Hunter got born again on July, July 11th, 2013, he just quit thinking about Jesus. That's not how it works. If you're married to somebody, it takes work. If you're married to somebody, it takes progress. If you're married to somebody, you should continue to learn about them. You know, recently I heard that even when you're married, you shouldn't stop dating your spouse, right? You should never quit learning about who the person is. It's a never-ending process. I promise you, your entire time on this earth, you will not figure out everything Jesus is. But the cool part is he knows everything about you, man. And he knows everything that he sees in you. He sees every bit of potential in you. He sees every bit of love in you. He sees perfection in you. He actually said, be, be perfect as my father is perfect. He sees that in you. Can you believe that? See, I love that we're wearing uh, jerseys tonight in this message and how everything's kind of going hand in hand. Because I think a lot of times whenever we live as Christians, we don't live as who we are. You know, actually, the title Christian becomes more important and more real than who Jason LaRue is. Not, I'm just picking on you. Jason loves Jason. But see, see, I think it looks a lot like, this may sound super ludicrous, but it's okay. If I were to walk out onto a baseball field, the Texas Rangers Stadium, with this jersey on, and it said young, first off, they'd say, yeah, he is young. <laughs> Secondly, they would say he's not Michael Young, because Michael Young is not young. And it would make no sense of me going on the baseball field. So why as Christians do we spend so much time living in the world, and we want to go out and we want to look like the world, but it doesn't make sense because that's not who we are. 
That's not what we look like. We can't blend in with it. You will always stick out. Amen? The, the, the quicker you take off your jersey, please don't do it in this service. That would be weird. But the moment you take off your jersey, the moment you take off the, fa the fake mask, the facade that you put on yourself, I promise you, you will look more like Jesus and you will have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You will look more like what he has called you to be. You'll look like the new creation that he's called you to be. You'll be the ambassador of God that he said that you are. He said that he made him who knew no sin to become the righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are righteousness. I want nothing else. I don't want to be anybody else. I don't want to look like anybody else but Jesus. You know, the five people you surround yourself around the most, that is who you will end up looking like. You'll develop all of their traits. It's really interesting. Look at your group of friends. You have the same lingo. You have the same laughs. You, you talk about the same things. It's crazy. It's so cool. That's why you have insiders, right? Our next point, I want to talk about serving with love. If you are a part of... TWBC Connect, if you're part of Children's Church, if you do anything to serve this church, if you show up and you mow the grass, will you raise your hand? Anything. Awesome. Yeah, Andy, you better raise your hand, man. I want to honor you guys and tell you thank you so much. Because without you, our pastor could not get up on this platform every single Sunday. He could not do what he does. We would... In the, on the church staff, we would be going crazy because we would not know how to fill every single role. I thank you, every single one of you coffee makers, because you make people wake up. <laughs> you make people smile. Every single one of you, I want to tell you thank you seriously and sincerely, because the service that you give, the TWBC Connect you do, the trash you take out, the, the coffee you make, every person you meet, everything you do to keep the service decently and in order, as an usher, you, you are the ones that make the service happen. So thank you guys so much, seriously. And as I talk about serving with love, I'm expecting more people to want to serve. Because serving's fun. Right? Some of you are thinking, nah, man, I don't want to work. It's not work. Wait till we get there. We look at, let's look at the contrast between Mary and Martha. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was in love with Jesus. Could not take her eyes off of him. Martha's freaking out. Jesus, why aren't you helping, or why aren't you getting Mary to help me? Why can she just sit here and I can't just sit here? Jesus was never upset with Mary or Martha doing what they were doing. He was disappointed and discouraged by the motives of Martha's heart. He never was upset that she was serving. He wanted her to serve him, and that's it. Did you know you could serve and have your eyes fixed on Jesus? You could sit at the feet of Jesus, and you could serve him at the same time. It does not mean a physical sitting down and enjoying him. Yeah, that's needed. It's needed every single day. But things that you do in life, everything you do in your job, at TWBC Connect, at having a conversation with somebody, and in prayer, it is all the exact same way. We're to serve Jesus. It says in Colossians 3.23, to do everything unto the Lord wholeheartedly and not unto men. Everything we do. I, I, don't, I don't ever want somebody to go and be a greeter because Pastor Joel will notice them. Please, I'm not trying to step on your toes if I am. But I want you to be here and I want you to serve because you actually have an importance of it.
He created you to do something completely differently. Let's read in Romans 12 real quick. It says in Romans 12, 19 to 13, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That's how you serve. It's nothing more than that. That's how you serve. What if we were a church that strived to outdo one another in honor? Not in the sense that it's in a competitive way, but it's I love this person so much and I am going to be as selfless as I can be to serve every person around me. You know, I was talking about this yesterday. I said, you know, if one thing could leave this entire earth, I would, I would ask for selfishness. But, and then we, we, we asked each other, what would that look like to be a selfless world? You can't think about it. Because the only one that was ever selfless on this earth was Jesus. But what if we fell so much, so madly in love with him that we desired to look just like him and we all became selfless? Could you imagine what this community would look like? People would be thrown off, man. They already look at TWBC and go, what are those people doing? What if we did it in, but, but, but it's not that we ever did it in a negative way, but what if we did it in such a positive way they can't look at us and say, this is messed up? Yeah. Amen? Jesus gave us each different spiritual gifts. You may not enjoy where you serve because you may not be called there. You know, I want, I want you to ask, I want you to go read Romans 12 this week and look at the spiritual gifts. Some of you are the best encouragers and you shouldn't be in a position to where you don't talk to anybody. Some of you have the greatest hospitality and you, maybe should, you just don't know how to talk to somebody but you can give them the greatest acts of service you possibly could. Maybe you should serve coffee. Some of you, 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 you have me beat by a long shot. You just know how to build stuff, man. You know how to fix a toilet. I'm, I'm lost on that stuff. Let me just tell you, I'm throwing myself under the bus. Some of you really may know how to walk in authority. Some of you may really understand what order is. You may understand what structure is. Maybe you need to be an usher. Because ushers have much bigger of a role than just passing out buckets. Amen? The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 9, to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You know what's so cool about serving? Your two commandments that Jesus gave you, they don't go away when you begin to serve. They actually stay right there. You're to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. I think a lot of times I am so guilty of this. I used to serve and be ungrateful and, and to be mad because of the position that I was serving in. And because I was mad at the position I was serving in, I didn't love the people that were in front of me. I have an example. When I went to the Texas Bible Institute, um, we were working for a women's retreat. And they asked me, Hunter, go use a snake in the women's restroom. Oh, by the way, it's been overflowing. Oh, by the way, it smells awful. If you know anything about me, I hate that kind of talk. I hate that kind of smell. I hate that kind of work. I was livid. I thought, this does nothing. Why can't we just close the bathroom? Men don't even get a restroom in this building anyway because of the women's retreat. So why can't they just go over here and they have one bathroom? So I am so mad. Ruins my shoes. Gosh. And as I'm like literally... I don't cuss, but I'm at the point, I'm like, oh, Lord, I love you, but, well, finally, the Holy Spirit, he's so gentle. 
the way that he spoke to Martha, dear Martha, he said it the same way. He said, Hunter, if you, if you would not do this, you may stop somebody from getting healed. You may stop somebody from getting saved. He said, because you're snaking this toilet, because you're making this thing run, because it looks so pointless, you're being obedient. And because of your obedience, it's going to awaken the kingdom of heaven in somebody else's life. Amen? I promise you, I don't care what you do here. Hear me out. I don't mean I don't care, but I don't care what it is that you do. Everything that somebody does on this campus is changing somebody's life. Serving is not pointless. It's not just to fill a hole. It's because there is truly a purpose of what you're doing there. So start operating in the gifts that you've been given. I love greeters. They're my favorite. They're, they're my absolute favorite position here, honestly. Um, greeters, you had the greatest opportunity that when you shake somebody's hand, if you would understand that the Bible says that you lay hands on the sick and they recover and everything your hand touches is blessed, if you would encourage every single purpose, God is going to do something mighty in your life. And this service, this service is for you. Jesus is going to speak to you like he's never spoken to you before. That's, that, that's prophetic, man. You are speaking something into some, in somebody's life that gives them purpose. It, it allows something to happen. And then when they get touched by God, they walk out and they say to you, just so you know, this actually happened. When you serve, look at the biblical, the moral, the, the, the spiritual principle behind it. Because it's so much more than just giving somebody coffee. If you can't tell, I'm really passionate about this. Because it's needed. It's absolutely needed. My last point, only one thing. Look at your neighbor again for me and say, only one thing. I think this is the most beautiful part of the whole message, and it makes everything wrap around together. Going back to that very first uh, scripture that we had, Jesus said, he said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. So what's the one thing? What's the one thing that matters? It's exactly what Mary was doing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. While Martha was so busy and so worried about work, Mary was at the feet of the one who became her first love. She wasn't worried about the work of the ministry. She was delighting in his presence and madly in love with him. Her focus was fixed on the one who accepts her. Her heart wasn't being pulled from an outer pier. Her heart was being pulled straight to the one who mattered, straight to the one that she needed. So whenever we serve, whenever we do, whatever you do on this earth, if you would have your eyes fixed on Jesus, life is so much more exciting. Amen? You know, the Christian life is beautiful whenever you have it right. That doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but it means that you desire to see Jesus. It means that, 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 that the decisions you make, you want to be so close to him that, you know, Here's my question is why, why else would I want to do anything else than be at face-to-face -face with God? Because it's such a beautiful picture. That's how all mankind started. Amen? Amen? There's something far more beautiful about Jesus, about loving Jesus than another human being on this earth. And he's the one that we're loving the one who is love. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, uh, Beloved... Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born, of, <clears throat> is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this love, God, in this love of God, no, excuse me. 
In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. As I said earlier, it says in 1 John 4, 19, that we love him because he first loved us. As I also said in John 15, it says that what greater love is this than one to lay down his life for another? I want to give you a new perspective of love because love's not just a, it's not just something you do. It's a person. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's one of my favorite chapters in the book, in the Bible. But I want to give it to you from a standpoint that it's not just scriptures you use to get married. But how ironic is that, right? It's not just something you use so you can say you love people. It's not, but, but, but see, I want to I speak it to you in the sense of we're going to replace love for Jesus. Okay? It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not Jesus, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I don't have Jesus, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though, I and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So if you have not Jesus, it profits you nothing. Jesus suffers long. Jesus is patient. Jesus does not envy, does not parade himself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice. Jesus does not rejoice in iniquity, but he rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures all things. Jesus never fails. Jesus is so much more. Love is so much more than just love. And I want my prayer tonight is that you would see Jesus as your first love like never before. Worship team, y'all come on. I'm almost done. See, we must be madly in love with Jesus as in Song of Solomon 6 3 that my beloved is mine and I'm my beloved's. That's how he sees us. You know, my, my prayer is that you would just see tonight that it's it's actually possible for you to fall madly in love with Jesus. You shouldn't be in love with anybody else if you can't love him first. Because nobody else would sacrifice their life the way that he did for you. Are you with me? And Jesus is so much more than a savior. He's truth, he's acceptance, he's, he is salvation, he's freedom, he's king of kings, he's lord of lords, he's lion of Judah, he's the lamb that was slain, he's the bride and morning star, he's the spotless lamb, he's the one that gives you redemption, he's your authority, he's your identity, he's your hope, he's your truth, I can keep going, he's your love, and he is love. Can you stand with me, please?